Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, we thank you. We exhort you, Holy Spirit of God, for this moment. We just exhort your name. And we're exerting, Father God, that you many us. Cause your world to come alive, cause it to be effectual in our spirit, and cause us to live out, O oh Lord, that which you are about to reveal in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we continue with our series on the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. What's the difference? A believer and an unbeliever. Uh, you are in church, you are in the household of faith, so. What is the difference between you and the man that is in the street? That's what we're discussing. And this is part number four of this particular series. So let's quickly look at Ephesians 4, which is our main text. Ephesians 4 from verse 17. Ephesians 4 from verse 17. This I say, 4.17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto laxiviousness to walk all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that he put off, put it off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Praise the Lord. I will try to discuss all of this last week, especially the issue of being alienated from the life of God. And uh, what is responsible for the ignorance, and we try to touch a little bit of how that you, who are not become believers, you are connected to the life of God, because those who are not in the world, they are not connected to the life of God. We try to make all of those differences. And so tonight, we're going to look at the consequences of being alienated, or being blinded in your heart, and you know, as, an, as an unbeliever, in quote. Alright, so in that sense I want us to look at Ephesians 2 verse number 12 and uh, 13. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. It said that at that time you were without Christ. Be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That is at that time, meaning when you were an unbeliever. Is that okay? Right. You were alienated from the life of Christ. And that means you were without Christ. Be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, yea, who sometimes were far off and made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Now, I need you to see these two verses. It's not describing what we're talking about. We're talking about now those who were not in Christ, or those who are not in Christ, which has to do with verse 12, and those who are not in Christ, which is verse 13. 
And there are some points that are raised here when you look at it critically. You say you were without Christ. And you know what that means? By implication, the spirit of Christ. You know, that Christ, the son of the living God, you understand that? You do not have the spirit of the son of God, which is Christ, within you as an unbeliever. And then that takes you, that makes you see some of the advantages you have as a believer. That now you have the spirit of Christ. Is that okay? And remember what, what, um, Peter told Jesus when he said, Who do men say that I am? Matthew 16. That Christ, the Son of the living God. So now you have the spirit of Christ. That means you have the spirit of sonship. Because the spirit of Christ is the spirit of the Son of God. So if you have Christ, you are not a son. Praise the Lord. And we understand that he was saying, when you were in the world, by implication, when you were an unbeliever, you do not have the spirit of his son. Amen? So one of the major advantages that you have as a believer is that you have the spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of the son of God. Praise the Lord. And again, he said he had been aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So I want to take this bit by bit, so that we say, you are without Christ. That is not just about not being a Christian here, but that you have no knowledge of the Christ or the Messiah, and therefore no title or privilege to the blessings in Christ which believers receive. You are without Christ. We are not talking about just knowing about him or hearing about him, but we are talking about you coming into union with the Spirit of Christ, which is the Spirit of the Son of God. And in so doing, you are entitled to the privileges that accrue to such ones that have come to receive Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. As compared to men that are in the world. Yeah, you have the privilege of the blessings in Christ, which every believer receives. Uh, I tried to mention last week, one among those privileges is the gift of the Spirit that you can have, that you can receive, you can manifest. Unlike those who are not in Christ, you can come to that place of possessing or receiving the gift of the Spirit as manifested or distributed by the Holy Spirit to such ones that have become believers. Praise the Lord. And he said, you are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Aliens. That among the things that unbelievers don't have, again like I say, I saw privileges found in your union with the body of Christ. Unbelievers don't have that privilege. And anytime you try to study what happens within the framework of the body of Christ, you'll be able to see that. If you are not in Christ, there are so many things of a truth that elude you, even though you're living as a human being. Amen? Praise the living God. So now, the thing I need you also to pick out is, if you are not a believer, then you should be able to appropriate and come to receiving unbelieving into those things that are the privileges that you are supposed to have for being a believer. You need to come to that awareness, that understanding. That you are not just an alien. You are not just 
the foreigner, you are now within the body, you are now in the house of God. And there are certain things that you are supposed to receive or supposed to have for being in the house of God as a believer. Praise the Lord. Alright. Now, if you watch what happens in times of old, you find that the Jews were separated unto God. And because they were separated unto God, they have certain privileges that other nations never had. Are you with me? God was communicating with them. God was revealing his loss to them. God was, I mean, protecting them, even through the wilderness. God was doing all of these things because they were separated unto God. They, they were a privileged people that God has taken to himself. And so everything you find that God was doing for the Jewish people when he brought them out of Egypt, now that you are in Christ, which is now the body of Christ, you are entitled to such privileges, which has to do with protection, provision, rebuking even enemies for your sake. You can see how that because God picked Israel to himself, he dealt with Egyptians. Even Pharaoh and his chariot, they all got drowned in the Red Sea. Why? Because they were chosen people that God had received unto himself. And so as a believer, you must come to that understanding as well. That because you are a choice person of God, you belong to the body of Christ, you are not walking with and by his rules, regulation and dictates, then you have the privileges that ordinarily the men of the world do not have. I used to say something. You see, it takes a different spirit and relationship to cross the Red Sea as compared to the Egyptians, for instance. The same Red Sea that the believers, in quote, crossed, drowned the Egyptians. I don't know if you're getting that. That shows that what destroyed the wall ultimately ought not to destroy you. You have that privilege as a believer. So now your faith should not largely be resting or be thinking in consonant with what the world is thinking. By implication, whatever thing is buffeting them is not supposed to buffet you. You've got to have that understanding in the first place. So you see, there was it, the divine protection that Israel had when they brought them out of Egypt. Like I said, they were able to cross the Red Sea, but the Egyptians could not cross the Red Sea. You remember, even the land of Egypt, or even Goshen, whatever the case may be, darkness, famine were all over the place, but the children of Israel were protected. Is that okay? Right. There was the land of Goshen, which was completely different, though within the Egyptian terrain, as the case may be, but there was this separation that God made had a city for his own people. And everything that the Egyptians were experiencing, they were not experiencing. Why? Because they were a choice set of God's people. So if God picked you to himself, your mindset will have to come to that light. That you have some privileges that ordinarily you can't experience when you were in the war. Praise the living God. So, now all your thoughts and dealings are factored in God as compared in the first place, that all your thoughts and feelings were factored in idolatry. Since that is the realm to which you were born into. When you were without Christ, all of the things you were doing 
in, in relation to the light of God's spirit, they were idolatry. What was sustaining you? I will touch this strongly as I move on. What was sustaining you was not, as it were, God. Right? And then you have your mind on those things that can sustain you outside of God. So, you were, you were born into idolatry and idolatry was ruling your life, controls your life, dictates your life. Whatever thing you were doing can be seen to be idol worship. The scripture tells you you must not have any other God beside me. Right? Good. So anything you were doing outside of God was having another God outside of him. And anything outside of him is a God which is idol worship. And again, the next thing he says, you are strangers from the commonwealth of promise. And this is very important as well. Having no part in the promise of the covenant made with Abraham, whether considered as relating to the natural or spiritual seed, you were without that promise as an unbeliever. Praise the Lord. You had no part in the covenant that God made with the children of Israel and the part that God made with Abraham himself. You have no part in it as an unbeliever. So when you are in the faith, now you come into the covenant that God made with Abraham. Even the laws that God made with the children of Abraham, Mount Horeb, was not part of your experience. You were not there. It never affected you. Is that okay? Right. But when you come to Christ, we say now, there is this covenant that God has already made with Abraham. And once you come into Christ, like we read last week in Galatians 3, as soon as you come into Christ, you become a beneficiary of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Praise the living God. So now, you begin to see your life frequency being monitored, controlled, dictated to by the covenant that God made with Abraham. These the unbelievers can't even claim to. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. The unbeliever do not have a claim to all of those promises. Everything that God told Abraham was going to do. Whether spiritual, whether natural. They don't have claim to it. So, even in the natural, Abraham was so blessed. And therefore his children were blessed. We can see what happened to Isaac. We can see what happened to Jacob. As they walk on this earth, everything about them was prosperous and successful. Why? Because they were the seed of Abraham that God made a covenant with. Are you with me? Now we are saying that, and then like I said before, the major, major covenant that God made. Can we look at Acts chapter 3 in the last two verses or three verses? Acts chapter 3. Give me the last three verses of that chapter. The major promises. Acts chapter 3. The last three verses. He said, verse 24, Yeah, all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of this day. That's when the covenant came now. I mean, I'm talking about when the Pentecost came. And so, Paul was speaking here. I mean, Peter was speaking here. What's the next thing? He said, Yeah, the children of the prophet and of the covenant, which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the nations or kindreds of the earth be blessed. Are you with me? Right. In the sea. What's the next thing? Unto you first. Now he's talking to the Jews. 
unto you first God and have you raised up his son Jesus sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from what is iniquity so the first blessing that you receive for coming to the coming of God with Abraham is that your sins are forgiven is that okay come on are you with me that's the primary primary blessing that God made with Abraham through that seeds are all the nations of the every blessed. So when you become a child of God, God is saying you, you plug into the covenant of Abraham and your sins are forgiven. Now you have to believe that. That's the first thing. For you to walk in close relationship with God, you must have this at the back of your mind. Your sins are forgiven through Christ. Because now you are an Abraham seed. You belong to Abraham. You cannot walk in a covenant of God made with Abraham. That's the first blessing. And then any other thing can follow. That's why it's important when you come to this place to say that where your sins are forgiven, you realize that you know that you are now in the kingdom. What's the next thing? The Bible says all these things shall be added. Addition comes because you are right now in the rightful position, the rightful relationship. As a matter of fact, you enter into a righteous mood, if I may use the word, with God. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, the unbeliever do not have this privilege. I'm trying to give you the consequences of a darkened mind. And so if you who is in the church as well, cannot come to this understanding, that means you're going to suffer what the unbelievers are suffering. If you cannot come to this place of knowing it, that the Lord has forgiven you your sins as it were in Adam, you cannot walk in faith and a clear conscience in approaching God for whatever thing that you are supposed to be approaching for. Huh? Praise the living God. You know, the throne is called the mercy seat. Come boldly unto the throne of mercy, right? Good. Because your sins are forgiven. So the throne where you're going to, you know, demand or make requests is a mercy seat. And so God is saying, for you who are believers, you have to understand it. God is not counting on your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are washed away. You cannot come boldly before the Father. You see, we have always read that what made Adam and Eve to hide themselves? Because they sinned. Now that factor has been removed. So now you can approach God instead of hiding from God. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying now. You can approach God instead of hiding from God. That's the point. But the unbeliever can't do that. I think I'll need to move on so that I'll be able to touch a few of these things. Praise the Lord. And one of the things that I find so impressive is when God was giving the Lord to the children of Israel. You know what happened? The Bible says He came down. Glory to God. So now you being a child of God, that's one of the privileges that you can also experience. God comes to you. He wants to communicate to you. Remember, His laws are not grievous. So if you want to give us His commandment today, He comes down as well. Just like He came down, He comes and commune with you. That is the privilege you can have as a believer. What's the privilege? God can talk to you. God can instruct you. Are you following what I'm saying now? Right. You are not a stranger anymore. You've come to the household of faith. You've come to the spirit of Christ. You are now experiencing the covenant Abraham had. And you can see how God was always visiting Abraham to talk with him. The same thing plays out today. That you can receive God's visitation. Because you are a privileged person in Christ as compared to before you come to know the Lord. 
God came down when he was given the law. And when he told him, make the tabernacle in Exodus 22, he said, so that I will commune with you from on top of the ark. And today you are now the temple of God. And where to find the ark? The ark is within you because the ark is no longer where it used to be. You now have the ark right within you. So you have the privilege to be able to listen and hear what God has to say. Now the good thing I'm saying is God comes to you. He can visit you. Amen? Praise the living God. So he said, oh, hearing some wild languages and all other kind of voices, the voice you hear for being a believer is the voice of God. Even if any other voice is coming to you, you can design it because you know the voice of your father. I don't know if you're getting there. It's not that voices are not in the air, but the point is you should be able to differentiate between the voices you are hearing and that of your father's voice. Because being born of your father, you should hear and know exactly how your father speaks. So one of the major privileges for being a believer is that now you come to the place where you can hear God for yourself. And know that God is talking to you on a personal level. When he wants to talk to you, come down. That's what I'm trying to express. Because when he wanted to give the Lord children of Israel, he came down. Praise the Lord. So there is that visitation that you can always have as a child of God from his presence. It could be angelic visitations. The important thing is God communicates with you. Why? Because your sins are forgiven. There's a relationship now. You are no longer ashamed. You are no longer afraid. You are not intimidated. And that's why the scriptures say, God, have not given all the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. Right? We're not given all the spirit of fear anymore. Praise the Lord. In the book of Romans, you find that the Bible said, when the Lord came, they were dread, they were afraid, and all of those things. And that is one of the reasons they told Moses to tell God not to talk to them. They were afraid, but now we are not afraid because we are sons. So just like Adam case, just like the law was, we cannot, we've gone beyond all of that by reason of the privilege we have today for being sons of God. Praise the Lord. The next thing we find out here is the commonwealth of Israel. Say you are not part of that, you are separated from the commonwealth of Israel. That's alien from the commonwealth of Israel. By implication, like I said before, we are still dealing with efficiency. So you can put it on the board there. Ephesians 2, that's what we're reading, 13 and 14. Just trying to x-ray all of those things we'll find in that passage. And so he said here, you were not within the commonwealth of Israel. Commonwealth. Now you need to understand that. Praise the Lord. Verse 13. You see, when you talk about the commonwealth of Israel, we're talking about when you say common words, that's a word that belongs to everybody. Amen? Praise the Lord. The word that belongs to everybody. That's what is common to the household of faith. What is common to the life of those who are in that jurisdiction. The common weight of Israel. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 12 precisely. That's what I'm dealing with. So put it up there for them. Verse number 12. Ephesians 2 verse 12. Now, not to be in the common weight 
like I said, it's also very, very important for us to understand what he's talking about. It means we're strangers, it means we're foreigners. Let me put it this way. You are in Nigeria. And one of the things that... Okay, let me even use um, Libya in those days of Maman Gaddafi. We may understand that there are, if you give back to a child, there is an amount that he gives to you. Because of that child, your education is taken care of. A lot of things were coming to the citizens of Libya when he was in power. So it means it was a common weight of the Libyans. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying now. Good. Okay, for instance, here in, 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 in Nigeria, we know that, I think from primary to whatever level, it's free education. That is the way it's supposed to be. Right, that's a common weight. Because you see, you are not paying fee, the government is paying the fee for every child you have that goes to that school or to that particular level. So, it's a common weight. I don't begin in this. Right. So what we say now is the privileges that Israel had. You never had that when you were an unbeliever. Now, translate it to this moment. There is a common weight in the household of faith which you are supposed to benefit from that the outsiders can't benefit from. Praise the living God. And the major reasons that the outside cannot benefit from this common weight because they are born into idolatry, like I said in the beginning. Praise the Lord. So they were strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, talking about the civil and religious privileges of the Jewish people. So then the unbeliever today cannot explain the right and privileges of the one that is born as a Christian. When I think about the civil and the how do I put it? The civil and religious rights. The civil and religious rights of the Jews was not available to the unbelievers. Like I said before, think about the privilege that the Jewish people had that God could come down to talk with them. The unbeliever world, the unbelieving world, born into idolatry, never had that privilege. And why do you think in the first place God was saying all those occupying the land of Canaan should be removed? All the seven tribes, the Canaanite, the Jebusite, the Perizzite, the Amorite, all of those people. Because they were worshipping different God and God was actually intended to institute his own rules in those lands. Praise the living God. So the privileges that we have. Now, as, as an unbeliever, you do not have the privilege, like I said, the civil and the religious rights of the Jews, the laws that God gave to control them, to, to, to instruct them in the way they should live, the unbeliever will never have that. The religious right that they have to be able to worship the living God, the unbeliever will never have that. So as an unbeliever, you do not have the privilege of worshiping the true God or approaching the true God. You do not have that. And then, as a believer, now that you've come to be a child of God, these religious rites are now yours. And so Jesus who said, if you pray, say this, our Father which art in heaven. Are you getting what I'm saying now? You have the 
ability, the privilege, the boldness to talk to God as compared to when you were yet to be a believer. This the unbelievers can do. Praise the Lord. Again, I'm talking about things like speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, communing with the Father directly as a child of God. The unbelieving world do not have that. But that is part of what you have. They are part of the rights and privileges you have for being a child of God. They are part of the instrument of that which makes up what we call the common weight of Israel. That speaks of the, the civil rights and then the religious rights that they have. Praise the Lord. So the unbelieving people, man in the street, do not have these privileges because the Holy Spirit will have to distribute this gift to each and every one of us. And because they are not yet born again, there is no opportunity for them to receive these privileges that we have. Such as speaking in tongues, prophesying, gift of the Spirit, designment of Spirit. We have all of that coming from the Holy Spirit. But they don't have that. Praise the Lord. And because they don't have that, what is the means by which they do this? Because you see, when we do all of those things, we are coming in with the Spirit. We are moving into the Spirit realm to get inside, to get answers to some of those things. Uh, let's look at the book of 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 7 and 8. 1 Samuel 28, verse 7 and 8. Praise the Lord. Amen. The Bible said, Then Saul, then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that had a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And the servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that has a familiar spirit at Endo. Now, I want you to begin to see the story. Here, the Lord have left, as it were, Saul. And normally, if Saul was supposed to consult with God, they consult the Tamun and Urim through the priest. And they get answers from God. Now, Saul was no longer in that realm. So, by implication, he's now an unbeliever. Are you listening to me? Now he wants to get answers from the spirit realm. Now, what do unbelievers do? They consult mediums to get answers. So you see why people go to the shrine. They want to get answers. They want to get some things pertaining to their life. They want to see what the spirit has for them. Where do they go to? They go to mediums. They go to shrines. They go to the harbalists. But that's the privilege you have that you don't need to go to these people to be able to get answers to your problem. You can talk to God directly. Are you following me? Verse 8 says, And saw so disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up. Whom I shall name unto thee. Now, yeah, we are told when we read this story, they said he said he want to see who. Who did he want to see? Samuel. You know this story, that? Yeah, he wanted to consult with Samuel. Now he wanted to talk with Samuel. But how did he approach that? He went to a witch of Endor. The Bible says he had a familiar spirit. Now, can I tell you something? The person that showed up here. To talk to Saul was not Samuel. You said, David, why will you say that? 
But he says Samuel because you are describing him. No. The Bible tells us already that the woman has a familiar spirit. What is the difference? Listen to this. A familiar spirit is a spirit that can be able to mimic you to somebody else. It's a spirit that studies you that can act like you but it's not you. Are you following what I'm saying now? A familiar spirit can use your father's voice to talk to you. And you're thinking it's your father. Why do I know, how do I know that? Think about it this way. Saul, I mean Samuel was in God's kingdom. Samuel was, let me use the word, in heaven. Take it from me that way. Is that okay? I'm trying to give you an understanding. Samuel was in God's kingdom. There is no way a witch can go to God's kingdom and call up a child of God. Are you listening to me? He never died as an unbeliever. He never died as a priest or a Jew worshiper. He died as a child of God. He was in God's camp. So there is no power in the life of that witch to go there and call forth Samuel. So the spirit that showed up was a deceptive spirit to confuse Saul so that he would go to war and be killed. Praise God. Do you get it? So it was not Samuel that showed up. This was a familiar spirit. And you need to watch her sometime. You know, in our ordinary uh, beliefs, I grew up to believe that, that there are sometimes some people, witches use other people's face to come and oppress you. Have you heard that before? Right. That witches can use some other person's face. Now you are fighting this person, but the person you're really acting is different from this person you are fighting. That's familiar spirit. They use a different spirit that you know you can probably identify to confuse you, but the person really doing the havoc is behind the scene. They can have a person's face. That's why you see where they catch witches, oh, you're a witch, I saw you yesterday night, and so on and so forth. But that's a different spirit entirely that appeared, but then you have been able to study the character of that individual, study the person there, and then it can appear in that person's mood. And you look at that person and say, I know you, you appeared to me yesterday night. You are the one. But that's just a familiar spirit sent from another source. Are you getting this? Now, but what I'm trying to make you understand is this. As an unbeliever, you consult familiar spirit, you consult all manner of oracles to get answers to your problem, to see what the heavens or the realm of spirit is talking about. But as a believer, no, no, no. You don't go that way. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? Go with me to first, I mean Isaiah 8 verse 19. Isaiah 8 verse 19. Let's take it from the New Living Translation. And then we're also going to take it from Mercy Translation. But New, New Living Translation. Hallelujah. Someone will say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirit of the dead, familiar spirit now, whispered, with their whispering and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Simple question. Is anybody following this? Here. Yeah. So as an unbeliever, 
They want to see into the spirit realm. What do they do? They consult mediums. They want to see the spirit of their dead fathers to talk to them. But the question is, should we not consult God? That means as a believer, who do you consult? God. Now I'm showing you the difference between a believer and the unbeliever. Why do unbelievers consult mediums? We consult God. Praise God. You getting it? Alright. We consult God for guidance. We don't consult mediums for guidance. We don't seek the dead to help us. We are living people. We talk to the living God. Because we serve the living God. Hallelujah. Jesus said he that was dead but yet is alive. I was dead but I'm alive again. We worship in a living God so we don't consult dead people to get answers to our problems or for direction. But this I'm saying is a privilege of a believer. So if you are a believer and all you do, you want to find answers, you want to find solutions, and then you start consulting mediums and dead, you're still in the realm of an unbelief. Or in the camp of the dead, if I may use the word. Let's read this from the message translation. Isaiah 8, 19. Praise the Lord. When people tell you, try out the fortune tellers. You know what it means to throw the oracle fortune tellers? Huh? Praise the living God. Why not tap into the spirit world? Get in touch with the dead. When people tell you that, what are you supposed to tell them? Look at verse 20. Tell them no. We are going to study the scriptures. Praise the living God. People who try the other way gets nowhere. A dead end. But men tell you, go consult fortune teller. Go. Tell them no, we are going to consult the scriptures. And that's how powerful the word of God is. Hallelujah. You can find answer reading the word. You can find answer praying the word. You can find solution just seeking the face of God through the word. So when men tell you, oh, come on man, let's try the fortune tellers. Let's try some of these mediums. Let's tap into the spirit realm. And you tell them, no man, I'm not going to do that. I am going to study the scripture. Praise God somebody. Is it making sense to you? Alright. So but now, you see, we pray directly to God. We can talk to God. Let me look at Jeremiah 33, 2 and 3. Jeremiah 33, 2 and 3. Gonna stop at quarter past six. Thus says the Lord, the maker, Jeroth. The Lord that formed thee to establish it is the Lord, is his name. Verse number three now. Call upon me, and I will answer thee. And show the great and mighty thing which thou knowest not. Did you get that? Listen. We've been told in Isaiah chapter 8 where men say, Come on, let's get into the spirit. Let's tap into the spirit. Let's consult mediums. And you tell them, No, I don't want to do that. What is God telling you to do? If you want answers from the spirit friend, call upon me. I will answer you. That's your prayer. And I will show you things which you do not know about. Call upon me. Praise the living God. Are you following me? Right. You need to get up. 
Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In other words, the things that you don't know about, that you are troubled about, you receive answers to them, you get solution to them when you call upon God. So we as believers, we have the privilege of calling upon God to get answers to our problems, as compared to the man that is not born again, who will want to consult mediums, consult the dead, Consult spirit of the dead to get answers. And like I gave you the example in book of 4 Samuel 28, Saul at that stage was an unbeliever. He was not in the camp of God. God had rejected him. He can find answer from God. He can call on God to get answers. What's the next thing he was doing? He went to seek for mediums. He was not consulting witches. Unfortunately too, today we still have a lot of Christians who actually does the same thing. They still go consult what they call oracles. Amen? And then on Sunday they come to the house of God. I wonder how you're going to get answered from God. Hmm? Praise the Lord. But he said, call upon me. That's one of the things I've been emphasizing. He didn't say, tell the people to call upon me. He didn't say, consult somebody to call upon me. You call upon me. I will answer you. It's a privilege you never had for being an unbeliever. But now that you are a believer, you can talk to him directly. He can answer you. Praise the Lord. You following this? Alright. It's important you get this right. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you things which you do not know. Praise God somebody. Okay, go with me again. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. No matter how tough an issue is, don't you ever think of going to consult mediums. To get answers to your problem. You can talk to God. Is that okay? You can talk to God. God can answer you. Anywhere, anytime. In fact, what I love about that scripture is I will show you things which you do not know. That means even the things you are praying for may be too small compared to the things that God wants to do. <laughs> Glory to God. You understand that? That's why I say I will do exceedingly above all that you ask or think. I will show you things that you do not know about. Just because you're calling upon me, I will show you those stuff. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Hallelujah. Now here is when he was talking to the children of Israel when they were in Babylon. He said, For I know the thought that I think towards you, say the Lord thought of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That is to say, your problem, like they were in Babylon, was not enough excuse for you to think that God was not available or God was not around you or God was not caring about you. No. You may be going through some stuff. You may be going through certain problems. But that is not to say God is far away from you. Amen. Remember they were in Babylon. They were in bondage. In slavery if you will. But yet God is saying even in the midst of you being in slavery I know the thought that I think towards you. I know what I have in mind for you. Glory to God. Come on, are we together? I know the thought I think towards you, say the Lord, thought of peace and not of evil to give you what? An expected end. There's a future for you, no matter what you're going through. Can I hear an amen to that? There's a privilege you have as a child of God. Your issues don't drown you. Your issues don't kill you. There's always an expected end that you will come into. There's always an expectation, a fulfilled future that you come into. So, the situation you find yourself right now 
It's not enough for you to go commit suicide. There is something glorious in the future for you that God has in store. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are we here? Verse 12 says, Then you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Glory to God. And ye shall seek me, and do what? You will find me. And when you shall search for me with all your heart, you will find me. Now verse 14 says, And I will find of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven thee, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. Praise God. Did you get anything there? That is to say, if any situation has kind of choked you up, has kind of bound you up, that is not to say that is the end of it all. When you call upon God, He is taking you back to the place of peace, to the place of plenty, to the place of prosperity. He said, if you call upon me, you're going to get answers, you're going to find me. If you seek me, I'm going to be readily available to you. Why and for what? So that He will get you out of the captivity that you are in. No matter what the situation you face right now, as a child of God, if you can turn your face back to Him, there's a solution for you. He's going to take you out of that problem, place you where you are supposed to be. The place of joy, peace, the place of your inheritance. Can I tell you something? Everything God has in mind is going to make available to you. No power is going to stop it. You're going to take time. Praise the living God. So within the period that they were in slavery, that would have been a very bad period for them. But he's telling them, no, don't worry. Just call upon me. Just seek my face. You're going to find me. And not just that, I'm going to take you out of captivity. I'm taking you out of your problem. I'm taking you out of your situation. And I'm bringing you to the place of rest. There's a place I have for you. Place of rest. Praise the living God. Are we still following I just need you to get it because it's so vitally important as far as I'm concerned. That you'll be able to see that you can't, as a believer, think of going to consult anything outside of God, outside of the scripture. No. That is a life of the man that is not a believer. Hallelujah. When you, when you attempt to go consult oracles, when you attempt to seek Oh, help me here. I, I'm not against this, but in the true sense of it, we are not supposed to be going to consult prophet to tell us things about our future. That may be hard. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, are you done with me? Call upon me. I don't know if there were prophets in Israel or not at that time. Why did he say go tell the prophet to talk to me? You call upon me. And you follow what I'm talking about? Going to seek for prophet to find answers to your problem for me is a realm of babyhood as a believer. Am I against prophet? Not at all. Do I believe in prophecy? 100%. But you can't leave your house. You know, okay, give me Ezekiel 14. Verse 1. Let me see. 
Ezekiel 14. Uh, okay. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me. What is it that we're trying to do? They want to consult. Go to the next verse. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Look at verse 3. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put the family block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired at all by them? This is what I'm saying. These men went to a prophet. They went to prophet Ezekiel. They want to make inquiries about God. I am saying that ought not to be our stand today as believers. For my sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. And the voice of strangers they will not follow. The major prophet of today was meant to instruct people in the word of the Lord through the word. That they may grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It was not meant to make consulting room as if you are consulting mediums. The word medium is not just that itself is not paganistic from me. Use the word medium is somebody that is a mediator between you and the other person. That's a medium. <laughs> Am I correct? It's a middleman. Medium simply means a middleman. Huh? So when you go to consult prophet, you place in a middleman between you and God. Huh? I don't know if you're getting this. Good. And that's exactly what we'll find here. And God said, oh, come on. Ezekiel, listen to me. This guy, they have idols in their heart. What's the idol? The thought of what they want. Most time you go to the prophet, you already have something in your mind, what you want God to do for you. You're only trying to put a stamp on that. So you go to the prophet and God say, hey, listen, I'm going to answer them according to the idols in their heart. You see some guys that want to marry a lady and they already said, okay, I want to marry this woman. You know, I like her, everything painted. But then I want to pray, I want to seek the face of God. Then they went to a prophet. They're going to a prophet now to find out if they should marry that. What do you think the prophet is going to tell you? Marry her. Because that's what's already in your mind. I don't know if you're getting this. Yes, I believe God can confirm certain thoughts in your heart. But it shouldn't come from the platform of seeking, seeking, seeking all the time. Let God talk to you once in a while. As his own child. Praise God somebody. And let him minister to you. Let him open up to you. Seek me. That's what he said. I mean if you understand that the whole of Israel as a nation. Was supposed to be a community of priests and prophets. If you will. He said I'll make you a royal priesthood. We'll not be able to touch that. We're going to deal with that next week. Right. When he called Israel. He was talking to them. He was talking to everybody. So the whole nation of Israel was supposed to be prophets. It was because they said, we don't want you to talk to us. Talk to Moses. Let Moses talk to us. And God said, in Deuteronomy, you have spoken, spoken well. I'm going to talk to Moses. Moses will talk to you. But you must obey the voice of Moses. Is that okay? Come on, are you listening to what I'm saying? Do you realize that when they started saying, are you the only one as a prophet? Their mind was going back to the fact that they were almost hearing God in Mount Sinai. When they rejected the offer. For God to speak to them. So it's like saying, hey Moses, you're taking the privilege of the fact that we said you should hear God for us. That's why you're doing whatever thing you're doing. As if you're the only one that can hear God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you rejected it in the very beginning, isn't it? Yeah, talk to Moses. So Moses took the privilege. And today God is not saying that. 
He didn't say, talk to this man or talk to you. No, no, you have not made that request, so God can talk to you directly. So what it really means was, right on and signing, God was going to talk to everybody on equal level. But because they rejected it, God had to turn to Moses, so Moses could talk to them. So Moses became a medium, if you will. <laughs> became a middleman between God and Israel. Am I making sense to you? Right. And the same thing goes with you going to prophet all the time. Oh, people of God, you need to grow up. You need to grow to the point where you can hear God. My sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. And the voice of stranger, they will not follow. My sheep hear my voice. I've mentioned it time without number. You don't know God by miracles. You don't know God by signs and wonders. No. You see, we're talking about those who know me. And scripture said, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Those who know God are different from those doing signs and wonders. Somebody will say, what are you talking about, David? Listen to me. That doesn't prove that you know God because a man who does not even can do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. If you go to the book of Acts, you find the same thing. I mean, Mark chapter, chapter 9. We have this fellow that was not in the camp of the, of the apostles, right? And he was doing signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Is that okay? And Peter went and John and they said, no, we stop this man. We don't want him to do that. He's not among us. Jesus said, just leave him alone. He was not among those you call apostles. Why was he doing signs and wonders? In my name, Chadakas the devil. It's very simple. He was in the name of God. Are you with me? That doesn't mean the guy knows God. In the true sense. How do you know God? You know God through the voice. And go back to Genesis. The Bible says, Adam and Eve, they knew that God was passing by in the cool of the evening because they had the voice of God. They never saw a fecal walking in the garden. I don't know if you remember that. There was no human being walking in the garden and they were looking at God. Now, how did they know God was passing by? Through the voice. What about Mary Magdalene? In the book of John. We may understand when Jesus, when he went to the grave, when she went there the next day to spice the body, you find that the grave was open, there was nobody there. Remember that? And then she was wondering where Jesus had been laid. And she turned around and find that Jesus was standing by, but never knew that was Jesus. What did he say? She told Jesus, Hey, if you know where they have laid him, please let me have him. He was talking to Jesus. He never knew that was Jesus. Why? Because no we no man after the flesh, even though we have no Christ after the flesh, henceforth, no we him no more. When he rose from the grave, it's not the same figure that you see on calendars that he was having. He can take any form any time. So those things you paint on your picture, that is not Jesus. Are you listening to me? This is Mary that had been with him, could not recognize him. And so on the next thing Jesus said, Mary. And she's Sarah Bonnie. Can you get that? How did Mary get to know that was Jesus? Through the voice. My sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. And the voice of stranger, they will not follow. You don't know God by miracles. Do you believe in miracles? 100%. All of those things are believed. All of those things are functioning. But I'm telling you the reality. As a child of God, you don't know God through miracles? No. 
A lot of people can get miracles and still get out of God. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Those that follow Jesus eating all the loaves and all the bread and all of the fishes. Thousand and one people by the time he told them, eat my flesh and drink my blood. What's the next thing they did? They all left. They got the miracle but they don't have Jesus. Praise the living God somebody. Are you there with me? So what am I trying to make you understand? This is a privilege you have as a child of God. This is a privilege you have as a believer. What's the major privilege? You can know God. You can talk to God. You can communicate with God. You have all the benefit of being a child of God. You can speak in tongues, prophesy, see vision. All of those prophecies, all of those signs, wonders, miracles, all of the manifestation of the gift of the Spirit, they're all yours as a believer. You can talk to God. You can consult God. You don't have time now anymore as a believer to go conduct mediums. Praise the living God. You've been separated unto the common weight of the household of faith. And there are privileges that are comes in. And don't forget this fact. Scripture tells us that we are blessed according to the covenant of Abraham. And so our sins are forgiven. Meaning that we are bold enough to go talk to God. But we need to talk to Him. Praise the living God somebody. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.